Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, and this is the very warm welcome to you to St. George's Church on this fourth Sunday of Easter where we uh, celebrate and remember Jesus, our Good Shepherd. Despite the fact that shepherds, even in the first century, uh, were a lowly position in Israel, uh, the importance of shepherd imagery runs throughout both the Old and the New Testament. It was applied, if you remember, to King David. And King David applies it to God in our psalm today at the offertory. And it was applied, the idea of being a shepherd was applied to the religious leaders of Israel. The prophets talk about that. And so hence in John 10, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, uh, he is contrasting himself with the bad shepherds, the religious leaders of his day. One of the oldest images, actually, of Jesus comes to us from the third century, and it is at a St. Callisto Church in Rome, which used to be part of the catacombs. It's that image of Jesus, the shepherd, with a, a sheep on his shoulder. And uh, my wife can tell you this, because uh, she's involved in youth and family ministry. Uh, she uh, will tell you that experts all agree that young children actually find the concept of Jesus as the shepherd and his love for the sheep absolutely and totally enchanting. But even if you're a tenderfoot and know very little about shepherding, like my motto is chalices, not calluses. Um, I was never built for like blue collar work, just couldn't do it. But uh, even if you know nothing about shepherding, that statement of Jesus, I am the good shepherd, that's a wonderful, wonderful image that Jesus gives his disciples and all of us. It's a wonderful image. However, it's also extremely problematic. There's a rub to it. Because if he's the shepherd, then we are the sheep. And despite all of the cuteness, when it comes down to it, it's actually not a flattering image at all. The next time you're procrastinating and totally wasting time on YouTube, just Google sheep fail. And immediately all of these videos come up of sheep, uh, the sheep with their heads stuck in a fence, the number of videos, I mean, sheep running off cliffs, falling down hills, it's mind-blowing. We've all seen the one with the little shepherd boy and he gets the sheep literally out of the ditch and it jumps across the ditch and then back into the ditch. I mean, it is a, it's a disaster. These creatures need 24-7 care because they're sheep. And the analogy, there's a rub to it because it rings true to life. I mean, think about it. Just look at the world around us. We just had the Mockingbird Conference here and we had a woman speak from the LA Times who wrote uh, The Gospel According to Wellness. And I just as I was listening to her speak, I could not help but think of the fact that we as humans, we'll drink from every putrid pool or eat every deadly weed of false doctrine that's out there. We butt heads with one another. 
sheep get lost. There's this one image, it's a very powerful one, of some sheep, that, some lamb that was lost for like three years and it was literally uh, just covered in wool and its legs were being crushed under its own burden. How many of us can relate to that, feeling crushed by all of the burdens we're trying to carry? Sheep, I mean, they literally, if they're not guarded by a shepherd, can become lunch for predators. The video that rang most true to me was this image of this sheep, and he had his head stuck in the fence and was just trying to push forward. It never occurred to the, sheep, to the lamb to go backwards, you know, and just get out. And, so, and the shepherd is literally trying to push this lamb's face back through the fence the back way. I mean, it rings true with me. I've obviously watched a lot of YouTube this week. But, uh, um, uh, <laughs> but the analogy, it fits. Am I talking to someone? This is my first point. Jesus is the good shepherd. And indeed, it's cute and it's comforting. However, it's also serious business. This is a serious, serious image because he is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And sheep don't need simply help. Sheep need saving. And we are sheep whom not just any shepherd will do. There are tons of thieves who've come to destroy and they've co-opted a lot of the church. They're false shepherds dangling morsels of what you need to do before your very life so that you think Oh, here I am and I finally made it. But we have a shepherd that no other shepherd will do. Because you and I, we need that good shepherd Jesus in our life. Because we need saving. And this is what he's come to give. Salvation. Without him, you and I die. The message it's extremely, actually, when you begin to think about it, countercultural. Countercultural. The message of Good Shepherd Sunday is a message that runs contrary to basically everything the world is telling you right now. The world is telling you to celebrate your independence, the world is telling you you're fine just the way you are. The world loves to tell you about your tremendous spiritual potential on your own. I was once going to a meeting up on the Upper West Side and I had my collar on. And I remember I was walking through the subway station at Times Square and this guy yells, Oh, there's the leader of the sheeple. I wanted to turn around and discuss with him about which one of us was actually more countercultural. <laughs> but that's not the point. Indeed, maybe a leader of the sheeple, but I'm a sheep too. Sheep following a shepherd. You see, Christianity, Christianity is not just simply a crutch. It's a total life support system. It's a life support system. King David, who wrote Psalm 23, which is our offertory, and you can turn to it if you'd like, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he's my life support system. I shall not want... And here's the life support system that David declares. He says, even though, well, first he says, he leads me by green pastures, safe place, 
and by cool streams. And we experience that in the word where we're given that comfortable word of your forgiveness and you're brought by the streams of water, living water in your baptism. But he says, and the reason why he shall not want is he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And we're going to go back to Palestine and Israel next year and you'll see up on the top of these hills, there's nothing growing. If you want your lambs and your sheep to eat, you take them down into the valley where there are these little patches of grass. And that's where the sheep, especially in the arid places, get both their water and their food. But the problem is, is that is where all the wolves, that's where the danger lies as well. And David, being a shepherd, understood this. And so he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why would he say such a thing? Because you are with me. And as Christians, we believe that Jesus is closer than we could possibly imagine by the power of his Holy Spirit. And Jesus, our good shepherd, by the power of that spirit, walks with you through death and into resurrection life. He is our new Joshua who by his death has paved the way into a promised land of an everlasting kingdom for you. And he says, David says, the shepherd prepares a table for us. And he does it again right here in bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. And he does it in a crazy place, in the midst of my enemies. In the midst of a world that says all you've got is word and a little bit of bread and wine, that's not going to attract, you know, Gen Z. It will. It's all we got. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is the words of life. It is the power of God unto salvation. So he prepares this table for you and I in the midst of everything going on the presence of our enemies, and a world that is constantly trying to tell you to do it on your own. Finally, he says our heads are anointed with the oil of forgiveness. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and you have been marked as Christ's own forever and your sins have been forgiven and you have been declared righteous before God and now like David you can say with confidence that your cup runneth over because it has been filled to the brim with all of God's love, all of God's mercy, all of God's grace and all of his righteousness for you and you have been destined to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember what Jesus tells his disciples on the night before he died? I go to prepare a place for you. That's not an abstract idea. He's speaking of his very self. This is why when Thomas says, where are you going, Lord? He doesn't say, well, turn a left in Albuquerque, you know, and then you're going to go there. No, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but through me. In the Schmalkald Articles, these are the, these, these are the documents that influence what we call the 39 Articles of Religion, the Episcopal and Anglican Confession. Luther said that the church is a flock of holy sheep who hear the voice of the shepherd Jesus. 
And that is you and I. And that's ultimately what church is about. I mean, it's summed up right there in the first sentence of our reading from Acts. They gathered together for the apostles' teaching. They heard the forgiveness of sins. For prayers, they had a killer liturgy. The breaking of bread. They had communion and fellowship. They had an amazing coffee hour. And I want to encourage you to stay for the donuts. And the Lord added to their numbers daily who were being saved. It's that simple. Sheep gathered around their shepherd, hearing his voice and his voice gently nudging you today with the crook of his word that says, I will never leave you or forsake you, but I will be with you to the very end. This is my second point. You see, ultimately, this Sunday is so profound and it's so deep and it's so countercultural. But to understand it, you must understand that Christianity is not your crutch, but it's your life support system. You must understand that you are totally dependent upon Jesus Christ for absolutely, positively everything. And it begins to open your eyes around you to see everything as absolute gift given to you from God. And the gospel declares to us that Jesus has marked you as one of his flock in baptism, and he has sealed you by the Holy Spirit forever. I love Jim Monroe. He used to bless everybody. He said, be kindly affectionate to one another and remember whose you are. And it's so important. You must remember whose you are in order to understand who you are. Let me say that again. You must understand whose you are in order to ultimately understand who you are. And when you see yourself as the master of your own universe, then things begin to turn stale and bitter really quick because you see yourself as one who is deserving. But if you know whose you are, the good shepherd who cares for you, you begin to see everything in technicolor, you begin to see everything as grace and as gift. Christian, never forget whose you are because that tells you who you are. And you are a sheep in the flock of the good shepherd who has laid his life down to seek and save you in his death on the cross. Hence, we can call this Sunday also Gate Sunday. What a powerful illustration that is. I am the gate. I am the gate, Jesus says. And I would argue that this statement is one of the most powerful illustrations of the atonement, what we call the atonement, Jesus paying for our sins, and what the good shepherd does for you to make and keep you as a sheep of his fold. You see, in Jesus' day, You see this in parts of Palestine still today when you go up into the West Bank where they're shepherding still. In Jesus' day, the sheep, they'd be herded into this pen. It's like a big square thing. They'd be herded into their pen, and then the shepherd, well, he became the gate. He would lie in the doorpost. He would lie in that entrance. 
And that's where he would rest. That's where he would stand. That's why Jesus speaks later on in John 10 about the difference between being a good shepherd and a hireling. Because the hireling, the moment the wolves, the bears, and the thieves came around, would get the heck out of there. The good shepherd stood in the door for his sheep. He became the gate, and nothing went in or out of that pen without first crossing the shepherd. And that's what Jesus means when he says to you, I am the gate of the shepherd. He is the one who literally lays his life down for the sheep. He lies in the door of death, and through his death, you and I, his sheep, can go in and out and find pasture wherever we're at. Through the narrow door of Jesus' death, there is always life for you and life in abundance. He's done it for you, done it all for you. He's died for you, he's risen for you, he now reigns at the right hand of the Father for you. And as a sheep in the good shepherd's flock, you are safe in him forever. And this is my third point, and it's an important point, uh, because the church has indeed been co-opted by a lot of false shepherds. And one of the things they're doing is downplaying this doctrine of the atonement. They don't want you to talk about it. They're like, oh, it's divine child abuse, and that's nonsense. It's nonsense, because Jesus says in this passage, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down freely in order to take it up again. But here's the thing. Without this doctrine of atonement, substitutionary atonement at the center of your Christianity, you do not have a gracious or an inclusive gospel at all. Because everything becomes ultimately dependent on you. And if justification came by any sort of work, then Christ has died in vain. This is what unifies us all. It's not what we've done first, but our profound need. This is why we come from all sorts of walks of life, because the shepherd calls absolutely, positively everyone. His death on the cross, his rising from the dead, his ascension to the right hand of majesty is his gathering of all of us, his gathering of you, his gathering of all of humanity into his humanity. And if anyone, if anyone, you leave this place, anyone tries to come after you, even the devil himself in the middle of the night, anyone tries to come after you and call your salvation into question, hear the voice of the good shepherd once again say to you, over my dead and risen body. You are the sheep of his pasture. As the Venite says, oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org give. Thank you for your support.